What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am excited to be sharing this episode with you. It's Friday. It's always a good time to take a step back, reflect, and learn from some Modern Day Marketers. I am joined by Kamala Thompson on this episode. She is the Director at Growth at Caliber Mind. And on this episode, we are talking about tracking, attribution, what's the balance between reporting, going on instinct, all of those fun things. She is a really bright marketer who's built her career in a lot of different functional areas. And I think her subject matter expertise is really good. And I learned a ton and hopefully you did too. If you like what's happening on this episode, come back, listen to more, tell a damn marketing friend about Modern Day Marketer. We do appreciate it. All right, done talking. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am excited to bring on today's guest. I am joined by Kamala Thompson, who is the Director of Growth at Caliber Mind. She's also the host of a really good podcast that I was recently a guest on called the Revenue Marketing Report Podcast. So make sure you go check that out. Without further ado, Kamala, how are you this morning? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no doubt. We are, I know everybody out there can probably relate to this, but we just went through our fun uh, Zoom snafu right out of the (laughs) gates where couldn't see, couldn't hear. It was me, then it was Kamala, but we are all set up uh, and excited to talk with you this morning. Uh, I feel like marketers already get a bad rap with the tech and we're just reinforcing it. It's That, that, that is right. That is right. And um, typically, like I, I feel like I'm always that guy in the product meeting where after uh, I get out of it, I'm just like, man, are the product guy, the product team's probably like, what is this marketing guy talking about right now? So, <laughs> it's kind of our role. But I think we're both lucky in that we're both our ideal audience. So mm-hmm. our input actually is influential, which is which is nice. You don't always get that with the product team. This is a little maybe off script from the the top, but I find it, I feel like I'm at home because of that, where not only do I get to spend some time talking with a marketer on a marketing podcast, but then having a, you know, marketing product, I feel like there's some level of, there's some level of uh, confidence I have when I'm making suggestions regarding product. Like you just kind of spoke to that. I haven't really talked about that with anyone. So maybe just share some perspective there before we get into the topic, because I think it's really uh, important. Well, I've always felt that conversational and value-first marketing is the way to go. And you need to talk to people like they're humans. I think it's much easier to do that and understand the struggles people are going through if you've walked in their shoes, just naturally. I mean, I think people have empathy and we can relate no matter what, but I've had a much easier time. For example, when I was a content writer, I had an easier time writing to people who were in operations because that was my background before becoming a content marketer uh, than I did with the people who were using golf technology. It's (laughs) I had family members who were golfers. I kind of got it. Uh, My brother was a PGA card member. I mean, it's great the sport never sang to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and kind of what we're going to be digging into today is talking about attribution. And I know, obviously, Caliber Mind, B2B revenue analytics. So there's attribution tied to what your product does. But maybe before we get in, just in case anyone hasn't heard of Caliber Mind, maybe plug Caliber Mind, share a little bit about what the platform does and maybe just how long you've been there. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Caliber Mind, I'm pausing because it does so many things and it's hard to boil it down to one point. And that's because we entered the market, we're really known for attribution. And how we differ from the legacy vendors is instead of plugging onto your CRM and assuming your data is good to go, and it never is, we pull your data from all the sources, we clean it, unify it, and then analyze it. And I think that's such a critical thing to nail the basics. I say this all the time, nail the basics. That means putting your campaign types in place and getting the fields all lined up. If you want good insights, you need good data. So garbage in, garbage out. I've been with Caliber Mind. What's interesting, I started as a prospect on the marketing ops side, and I got to know Chris Nixon, who was an amazing marketer and amazing branding person. Like he's just, he's a rock star. I think he's at uh, campus. Oh, it's path.io now, something like that. Sorry, Chris. Uh, <laughs> so he heard that I was changing careers and moving from operations to writing. And that's a really big jump, but he was willing to take a risk, gave me a project. And then I've been working with Caliber Mind ever since. So I've been with them almost two, two and a half years now, and then started with them full-time in October as their director of growth. That's awesome. And I love those stories of being a prospect, being a customer, and then going working for um, the company. That happens a lot just in in these conversations. So um, maybe we get into... I guess let's start here. You're the director of growth, which I think growth can mean so many different things at so many different types of companies. So like maybe talk a little bit about like your main objectives, priorities in that director of growth role and kind of what you're, obviously you're trying to, I'm sure grow, get new people in, get people exposed to what you guys are all doing, but I'd love to hear it from you on on just main priorities. Yeah, so I guess- The easiest way to think of it is I'm the head of marketing. My primary focus is brand awareness um, and really combating the skepticism that's natively in the market around marketing analytics. I think a lot of people have been burned. So trying to figure out how to establish us as a thought leader and differentiate ourselves from folks who have kind of, uh, I mean, technologists oversell all the time. There's lots of vaporware out there, and we're just trying to take a really, really honest approach. So my main objectives right now, beyond awareness, are bringing on team members who are smarter than I am in areas that I'm not as experienced in. And it's just really exciting because I love building a team and establishing like a team culture. Yeah, no no doubt. And I I appreciate the clarification on kind of what you're up to, because I think it'll help uh, give some context as we dive into the topic and the topic for the audience is just kind of this avoiding attribution intoxication, which I've been talking a lot about from a modern day marketing perspective, but then letting your creativity differentiate you. And I think like my perspective is that we shouldn't just like throw out the ability to track or report. Like, I think it's very important, but I don't think we, we should let it hinder our ability to kind of be creative. And I know you're kind of, in the middle on on this topic, and so I yeah. want to get I want to get into that with you. But maybe we start here. You mentioned humanized marketing, and so maybe like I would imagine the space that you're in is very complex. There's legacy systems, their feature functionality. We're doing this faster than them, and uh, you can get this report quicker than that other company. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe talk a little bit about just like when you talk about humanizing what you're doing in marketing, like. What what do you mean? And like, what are the types of things you're doing? 
So I think it's, I've been at so many technology companies that all their website copy, their articles are all focused on their product, the features and differentiating themselves. And that's fine. There's a place and time for that. But I think it's more important to understand what people are struggling with in the market today and to address that. So for example, we've got a masterclass I built out that's back to basics. It's product agnostic. We don't care if you're using Excel, a competitor or us. What we're trying to help people understand is that they need to put framework in place first. And no matter what tool they put on top of crappy data, they're going to get crappy insights. So let's focus on solving the problem without pushing our product down their throats. So I feel like relationship building should always be the objective. And whether that's done in marketing and sales, that's the ideal, right? Like you don't want just sales going out and building relationships. Marketers need to think of it from a relationship perspective. And there's always this what's in it for me uh, frame of mind you you have to take when you're thinking about your audience. What's in it for them? Why would they engage with us? If I know my audience is really fatigued, there's a lot of arguments going on around the data. Attribution is a very divisive topic. Mm-hmm. Like how, how do we start bringing people together and finding commonality again? It's kind of like politics, right? Like you only get things done if you can cooperate over the aisle. I shouldn't have gone there, but you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, no, I, I totally do. And I think just like the masterclass example is a good one. And I think about like, as you were talking, I think about like, just within the past, like five years from like my seat being an audience member, like a big theme, which I'm sure you've looked at research, maybe you're doing at Caliber Mind, maybe not, but just as you know, this account-based marketing. And it seems like, you know, a lot of times people were like, oh, well, in order to get started to doing account-based marketing, you need this software. And once you have the software, you can start doing X, Y, and Z. When in reality, it's education on the topic and kind of building the framework out. And then once you get it going, then you can layer in the technology on top of it. So I heard a little bit of yeah. about that. Heard That's what triggered in my mind uh, when you're talking about just like the educational component of the master classes that you're running. Absolutely. Like I will throw out some stats, but Salesforce believes that 90% of CRM data is either stale or missing. That's that's Salesforce saying that. And then when people get excited and they're like, let's do target accounts. Like I see it fail before it starts so many times because what happens is sales and marketing can't agree on who the targets are to begin with. And then they realize their database is such a mess and they've got things separated into leads and then accounts and contacts, and then there's duplicates. And I think if nothing else, ABM has given us the awareness that our data is not in good shape. I think that's where we need to start if we're going to have any success. So like, I don't, I saw the as a great post. So it said, don't let fear get in the way of trying something new in marketing. And that's a big chunk of our jobs is just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, but you need to have data framework in place to measure whether or not it is sticking. Mm-hmm. So like you, it, and it may not be the traditional metrics. So like with podcasting, it's probably not going to show up directly in attribution. So what are you putting in place and what are you looking at to see whether or not it's working? Is it downloads? Is it social media interaction? Is it people 
talking about it in the market and using your hashtags or your brand name. There's so many different things you can use, but we also recommend putting in place an easy way for the sales team to flag a deal and say, hey, they said they heard about us on the Mm -hmm. podcast. Let's make sure it's associated there. So I think... Yeah, I think a lot of things, but let's not. No, you, you said a lot there, and I want to unpack. <laughs> I want to unpack uh, uh, some of what you said there, and maybe we start here. You talked about experimentation, and I, I agree. Like, we 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 should be okay with failing as marketers and doing a lot of different things because if we fail a lot, there eventually be something that rises to the top that we can focus on. And in your podcast example, I think I want to talk a little bit about just like the process that you went through in order to like maybe get your podcast off the ground and Mm -hmm. what that looked like. Because I think half the bat, maybe more than half the battle is we as marketers know that, yeah, this is a good idea because we're going to bring on guests. We're going to meet people. We're going to build these relationships. They're going to help extend the brand, but like trying to boil that down into something that we can go tell our leadership team, tell our CEO, tell the board and they can say, yeah, we should invest these dollars into something like a podcast because it does all these things can be really challenging. So I'd love for you to maybe talk about like that, like that example of just like at Caliber Mind, like how, what was the process that you went through in order to like sell the team politic, if you will, that mm-hmm. podcasting is, a, is something we should be doing? So I kind of just did it. And then <laughs> I'm one of those. It. I'm one of those do something and then ask forgiveness later yes. people. So uh, Chris Nixon had done the podcast way back a few years ago, and their strategy was to invite potential prospects to get a conversation started. Mm. And I was like, you know, mm, that's not the approach I want to take. So I want to come from a thought leadership standpoint. I want to engage with influencers in the market who will help us amplify our message by sharing it and getting out there. And then as we establish relationships with those people and they go, hmm, these people are actually really smart, that relationship naturally, it's, it's just mutually beneficial. So I decided I was just going to go for it. I'd run podcasts in, in the past and I started creating a list of people. And on my list of people initially were people I knew or people in the company knew. And then we started reaching out once we had a couple examples and I made sure to talk to the sales team. I'm like, the metrics aren't going to look good. I know that this podcast isn't going to go flying off the shelves and everybody's going to be downloading it. It's very niche. So I need your help to advocate for continuing to do this. And I don't think people were really convinced, like I was their content marketer. They're like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Well, we had Daryl Alfonso on the show and he's a fabulous thought leader in the marketing operations space. And he started sharing his podcast. People started commenting it on it and then downloads started happening. And then there was a lot of buzz in the market. And then the CEO was finally like, oh, this was a good idea. <laughs> And then when people started like coming on who were experts in the MarTech space, consultants, and there was buzz in the market about, oh my gosh, these people actually know what they're talking about. You know, the investors started saying, oh, this was a really good idea, but it's, it's a time suck. I needed to find ways to outsource a lot of the, you know, audio editing, putting in the music, putting in the ads, all that stuff. So I think... I always feel like we're maybe at risk of discontinuing it. 
And I do want to look at it from an objective standpoint. So I, I consistently meet with the sales team. I just had a conversation with Scott that I recorded yesterday that I'm going to post on LinkedIn that goes through our thought process on, is this working? Do we continue doing it? And what's the argument that we bring to the board if they say, you know, you're spending a lot of time here and I'm not sure we're seeing return. Yeah, I love uh, you breaking down that example. And I think a couple of things to call out is that with like niche topics, we're so stuck in this mindset of, okay, we need to create this thing. And like, it seems like overnight, it, we need 10,000 downloads or we need 20,000 downloads. When if you're really focused and like less is more in some of those instances, if they're the yeah. right people that are listening to the podcast. So like that stands out to me. And then the other thing that just stands out is like the example of like, we like traditionally it's, we need to do X because X generates this lead. And this, if we drive this many leads, then we'll get this many conversions, which will lead to this many sales conversations with close and it down the list. It's like some of the times with experimentation and it could be this podcast example, or maybe something else that you're working on at caliber mind. It, it takes like a different approach to, tracking those success metrics and communicating them back. So like outside, obviously like reporting is important. Tracking is important, but how do you like, what ways have you found to communicate internally on just like a different set of rules or a different set of success metrics that internal teams, leadership stakeholders understand similar to like the podcast example? So that's a really great, big, giant question. (laughs) So we, I firmly believe that marketing analytics is really dependent on the person running them, understanding the entire picture and being able to tell a story. So as marketers, we're storytellers. So what we do is we do rely pretty heavily on attribution. We also look at engagement for you know, like I can tell how many people are on our website, what pages they're crawling on. We have all of our podcast content pointed there. We point back from the podcast to supporting articles, like all of that good stuff. So I can get some correlative reporting there, but I also run surveys with our sales team and I contact them regularly. Uh, Sometimes leads come to me directly and I'll work with the sales team to make sure the system indicates that where it's coming from. So there's this Every time I present to the board, we have the raw data, and then I have the qualitative data from customers in the sales team. And I think, so there's just so many things we have to keep our uh, keep an eye on and, and watch the pulse. But I think there's nothing more beneficial than digging in and interviewing closed opportunities, whether they're won or lost asking people where they heard about you, um, asking why they're disengaging or why they kept engaged, and then using that qualitative data and layering it on top of the standard metrics that the business needs. Because I understand as marketers, it's just, we have to prove that what we're doing is working, but we need to stop thinking about it as we need to prove it using one metric. That's impossible. So we need to look at all of the different ways that we can tell our story and incorporate that into our presentation. Wow, that's really good. Is there, have you found um, some of the times it feels like as marketers in this uh, tracking attribution, running experiments, feels like we're kind of like running around like a chicken with our head cut off, trying new things, reporting on things, 
dropping things, starting new things. Have you found like, or are you still working through um, any sort of like structure in place that's like kind of guides you from like a, this helps me balance doubling down on things that are working, reporting on what's going on and sharing that out. Like what, what kind of system do you personally have in place to keep track of all the madness that's going on in, in your marketing world? I think we need to think of it as the people on the front lines who are actually doing the tactics need to look at several different data points to figure out what if what they're doing is working. And as you bring people onto your team, you should be ensuring that they understand what that data is telling them so they can operate efficiently. So let's look at digital advertising. So some of the early indicators I use are whether or not uh, the particular asset's converting, how many people are interacting with it, like standard things. Eventually down the line, I want to tie that back to revenue. And I'm fortunate that I'm at a company that can do that because it's hard to do. So it, it just depends on the tactics. So there are tactics that are very measurable. Like if I update the copy on the homepage, I can tell whether or not it's resonating mm. if uh, the bounce rates are going down and the time on page is going up. Like these are all traditional things that the individual tactician should be watching. As a marketing leader, though, I want to know how we're generating pipeline and revenue and then some of the anecdotal information coming in from our customers, prospect, and the sales team. So I need to be able to look at the business context that I'm getting and apply the context to the numbers. And I need help from my tacticians to do that. So I think where CMOs kind of get shot in the foot is they're presented data as if that's the entire story. When analysts and team members need to be layering on context so that they can properly set expectations with the rest of the executive team. So a lot of executives think digital tracking, you know, like 100%. And that's just like, all of us in marketing are laughing right now because, you know, the privacy first stuff and all of these other things, that's just not possible. So being able to arm your CMO with here, here's what's going on in the market. Here's what's happening with privacy first. Here's why these numbers are going down, even though we're still seeing the same level of top line activity. It's because we can't track it anymore because their browsers are dropping the cookies, you know, and Something that simple, being able to communicate it to the executive team helps us frame an argument for, look, our pipeline numbers are going in up and to the right. They're going in the right direction. So is the revenue. We're having some issues tracking this, and this is why. And I'm lucky I'm at an organization that gets how hard all of this is, and they understand that. But I think there's nothing more valuable than a talented analyst that can help you apply that context and set proper expectations. Anyone listening, there's gold in there. Um, <laughs> make, make Rewind it, right, take notes. Something that stood out to me as you were describing that was at Caliber Mind, you have built and developed this like culture internally where it is the sharing of information and the share, uh, taking data and taking data to tell stories in order to drive better and better business outcomes is just something that's happening. So mate, like, I think this is something that I, I know I have, and I'm sure a lot of people out there have struggled with in their career. How do you, like, what have you found to be a successful way for like analysts, individual contributors 
to get them on board with the sharing of data in a way where they understand their role, the data they're providing you will lead to that kind of business outcome. Like, okay, we're going to change this because of what you delivered in the work that you were doing this quarter. And that's really great. Like, how do you get people to rally around this from a team perspective? So I, a few things are popping into my head. One of which you shouldn't punish bad news no, nobody's going to have this winning streak that lasts forever. So we need to, as leaders, communicate that it's okay to give people bad news and show them that something's not working. We also need, so as an analyst, an executive team meeting is not somewhere surprises should happen. So as an analyst, if you spot something, a problem perhaps with another team, go talk to them first. Figure out if you're measuring it correctly. Check your data and then get context as in why it's happening and give them a chance to prepare a get well plan. It's absolutely critical. And then I think as leaders, we need to model that behavior. So if something isn't going well, I'm going to tell the executive team, hey, Pipeline in January is really low. And I think it's because the marketing team was focused exclusively on creating product training for the sales team. So we weren't as focused on lead gen. And here are the things that we have lined up that are specifically lead gen focused to get well. You know, if you have several months where you're telling that same story, you're going to have a problem. But I think if, if you do it well and you make sure bad news travels faster than good news... And you don't punish people for revealing something. I think you're in much better shape than if than otherwise. So let's close out with this because a lot of the theme of what you've talked about, which I think gets lost in marketing, but I think any modern day marketer that is excelling has this skill set and is mindful of it. It's very easy to forget because a lot of us marketing people are uh, on podcasts, are doing video, are on social media. Most of what you've described and what you're doing is from an internal communication, internal marketing perspective. And I think that's just a skill within it in itself. So maybe like leave the listeners with like some perspective on just like the importance of internal marketing. And it can just be, you can take it from like a general perspective, or you can just uh, align it directly with the topic and of reporting and attribution, however you want to take it. Oh my gosh. So if I leave people with one thing, it's communicate your successes and be honest about your failures. So, and it's okay to fail. So by communicating successes, you're communicating to a broader team that something's working and it gets the salespeople excited. They want to hear about it. And marketers are terrible at sharing the good stats. So when you see when you have a salesperson come to you and say, hey, this consultant you had on gave us these two referrals, amplify it. Tell the rest of the team. And the sales team will understand, oh, this is actually working. So when I go to them and say, hey, I want you identi- to identify the top consultants in your market and bring them on board, they can look back to that communication and say, this is worth doing. So if you're not showing people that the information they're giving you is being used, they'll stop giving you information. So communicate it. That it sounds fundamental, but often gets lost. Wow. This was a great conversation. 
Um, I learned a ton. I know people out there did as well. Before I let you go, marketing podcast, plug something. What's happening at Caliber Mind? Where do you want to send people? Awesome. So two things. If you liked our conversation, I always feel like podcasts are something that we consume a lot of. So when we like something, there's always room for more. So check out the Revenue Marketing Report. Our focus really is on career growth and it's kind of an empathy-based podcast. We're not just talking about operations best practices. And then in terms of what we're doing at Caliber Mind, check out the Back to Basics Bootcamp. We're going to be generating a ton of support and content out of there. So even if you don't start at the beginning of the series, you'll still get something out of it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kamala. Ton of knowledge dropped and we'll have to talk to you soon. Great. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed chatting with Kamala over the last several weeks. She is a super bright marketer. Go check out the work she is doing at Caliber Mind. I'm learning a ton from her. Everyone, take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Take a break this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. More Modern Day Marketer coming back next week.